streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, and with me as always, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Been a little weird here lately. Rusty was on vacation. I was on vacation the week before that, but we're back full strength show. Uh, we, we got a lot to talk about. We got some important stuff to talk about. Uh, obviously, what Brock Vandegrift is doing at the Elite 11 and, uh, and, and you know being kind of one of the strongest performers for the first couple days and, and really getting after it on day three is, is big news, and we want to talk about that and kind of the future of Georgia's quarterback position. And then we've also got to talk about the fact that Georgia's got a couple targets, a couple big targets here in the last you know, few days, and, and, and Tony Grimes and, uh, and uh, uh, the, somebody helped me with the outside linebacker from, uh, from, from Florida. Yeah. Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner. That's right. I, we had talked about it just before the show. Mine went blank, but uh, he's he's probably headed to Alabama or is headed to Alabama or is at Alabama. Uh, one of those things, depending on when this uh, when this podcast airs and when we're able to get it out to you. But ultimately, those are two big misses for Georgia. We're going to talk about kind of what's left after that and and Georgia's ability to recruit and and kind of where we are in this early stage of the process and the weirdness of it all with the. With, with the pandemic and everything going on. Uh, but let's jump right straight into Brock Vandegrift. And, Rusty, you're very familiar with this guy. You you came to Athens. You filmed his you, – you spent time with him before his commitment. I'm not sure if you filmed yeah. anything or not. But any surprises? that Because that, he's an athletic kid. He's a gamer. He's a guy that when you put him on the field between the white lines, he just does a lot of stuff you can't defend. But now he's going out there to a to a, a kind of a, a shorts and you know shirts type event, and he's really kind of tearing it up and doing really well. Anything surprise you about that? Not really. I mean, look, here's the everybody knows the knock, and you don't have to beat around the bush. You know, when you talk about Brock Vandergrip, he checks the boxes. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the he's got the arm, he's got the ability to extend plays. You know, he's a coach's son. I mean, all the things you want there checks the box. He plays single-A private football in the state of Georgia, which is really good ball at times. You know, there's some teams that obviously, you know, are not extremely talented, but uh, I can't get past the Elka game. And another stat, he's completed 71% of his passes in in high school football. And I don't care if you go watch enough seven-on-seven, enough warm-ups, it's hard to do 71% sometimes just on air. And in high school football, he completed 71% of his passes. He broke his foot last year in the lower part of a, a, a bone right below his ankle and didn't tell anybody until the game was over. He came out, and he knew it was hurt. He stayed in the game. Now, he missed seven or eight games because of that, but the kid played with basically a broken bone in his foot. Then he goes and plays Elka, which I believe is the six-time defending state champions, maybe, I think six, and he has the best game he's ever had, ever. Not even close what he did in that Elka game. The best game against the best team he's ever faced, he had the best game. And I talked to Elka staff this offseason 
at a Nike event right before all this stuff happened in February. And Elka obviously is, they've had so many players come through there and they do such a great job there. Very respected staff. And I asked them, I said, how good was Brock Vandergrift? And they said, we, that's the best player we've had. We faced in 10 years. Uh, they made no bones, but they couldn't do anything to stop him. They said, basically we were ahead. I, I love the quote they gave me. We were ahead when the clock hit zero. And that was what mattered. Uh, but they couldn't stop Brock. They couldn't stop the things he was doing, extending plays, some of the throws he made. Uh, they were just blown away at facing him. And I was sold on him. Now, do I think he's Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? I don't know that he is quite there. But do I think he can be a really, really, really good college football player? Yes. Do I think he can be a high NFL draft pick? Yes. He's got a long way to go, a couple years, four or five years for all that matters. But I think the knock against Brock is people that want to get out kind of – and I understand. We've all done this. We've all been a part of the ranking process at one time or another. But to me, there's some stats. And you learn as you start evaluating these guys because it's not easy to evaluate quarterbacks. But there's some stats and accuracy, completion rate, and the big games. And the biggest one he's played in – was his best game. And it's no surprise to me that as we tape this, uh, he's having a really good morning. Had a great session this morning. My phone kind of blew up from people up there like, hey, you know, this guy's for – this is a guy I talk to once or twice a year. Like, hey, this guy's for real. So, doesn't surprise me. And I think Georgia fans – you know, we talk about the 2022 class. The 2022 class in Georgia is as deep as I've covered I mean, there's six, I think there's seven guys with power five offers, seven in the state of Georgia at quarterback. Now, everybody gets excited about that. I'm telling you right now, Georgia, we're about to see how good they can recruit because I want to see who's going to come in after Brock Vandergriff and who wants to compete with him. And that's that's just one of those deals. It's hard to keep two now. Everybody knows that. Georgia certainly understands that. It's hard to keep two. Um, you know, who can they get in 2022 to come in after Brock Vandergriff because you know, he's what we use that industry term. He's a dude. Now, if you're not familiar with Georgia high school football, Elka is Eagles Landing Christian Academy out of McDonough, sure. and it's a powerhouse. Like, I mean, I, I, yes. you can just, you can just, I mean, I, I remember Isaac Rochelle and Andrew Williams and those guys playing there. And, and NFL and, guys. Yeah, yeah, big time players. I mean, it constantly. And, and yeah, they are small school ball. I'll say this about, you know, as somebody who played single A ball in the state of Georgia. Uh, you know, I, I was a ball boy and and uh, and manager for the football team going back to like 1993. I watched Champ Bailey. I, I watched Marcus Stroud. Uh, you know, there there have always been. I've watched uh, Boss Bailey. There have always been great players in single A football in the state of Georgia. There are some states where, and and I don't want to try to guess and call any of them out, but there are some states where you get to the lowest classification, and it's absolutely positively got to be a huge question mark. And, and it's still one in, in the state of Georgia, but you also have to consider, uh, you know, despite it being stronger in the state of Georgia than it is most states, you still also have to consider that that quarterback, Brock Vandegrift, he, that guy's always dependent upon a lot of other factors. And one of those, you know, one of those factors, the offensive line, and you got receivers, you got the ability to run the football, whether you can stop anybody, you've got all of those things. And and he's playing with single A football players for the most part, and he's playing in, uh, you know, in that Eagles landing game, playing them uh, with them against a team that is loaded with with really really good high school football players at the very least. 
loaded. Yeah. They were loaded, in, like and it's every single year. Yep. And they what yep. was it sixty three kept what was it, sixty three fifty seven, something like that. I mean, it was stupid uh uh score on that, but but I'm just telling you, you know, that's one of the things I've learned, Jake and, and Kip, you've heard me talk about this. I go to the other teams that have faced you, and when I talk to Elka about him, I mean it it was like wow. For what they were saying, it was impressive. I tell you who he reminds me of. He reminds me a lot. And, and obviously higher upside because he's a bigger guy. He's a more highly ranked guy. He reminds me a lot of Mackenzie Milton, who played at Central Florida. And Mackenzie Milton carried that football team for two years, carried him to an undefeated record, threw for over 4,000 yards uh, to a win over Auburn, and I believe it was the Sugar Bowl um, or a Chick-fil-A Bowl. I can't remember which one it was. But he, he was a stud, and he was a playmaker, and he was at his best between the white lines. Rusty, it does surprise me, and Kip, it does surprise me a little bit, that he goes out to one of these shorts and cleats types camps and does well because I was totally prepared for, hey, Brock Vandegrift just kind of struggled with these things because that thing does that doesn't really raise my raise my red flag necessarily because there are there are a lot of players in this game that when you've got to tackle them, when you've actually got to get them on the ground, when you've actually got to to rush them and cover them and 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 kind of have all of the elements, they're better than they are with all the space and everything involved on a uh, on a you know in a seven on seven or in throwing drills or things like that and and he is he kind of strikes me as that player but he is actually going there and doing well. Kip, is there anything that kind of surprises you about him or any question marks maybe you had about him going into this that that could have been answered or you still have? I mean, like Rusty said, it all begins with that Elka game. I mean, Jonathan Guest, the program that that he's run there over the past fourteen seasons, I think. Uh, he's he's like 144 and 28 at, at Elka. He's got six state championships there. I mean that that team dominates year in. It's just like when Jess Simpson was at Buford. I mean it's just that dominant run. You know year in year out they're going to be playing at the end of the year. And, and Brock coming back from injury to account for I think he threw for six touchdowns. It was the third highest scoring game in, in Georgia playoff history. And it was basically just him putting the team on his back and doing everything he can to try to win the game. I think coming out here to the Elite 11, Brock wanted to show that, guys, the knee injury's in the past. And so, really, I think today's drill, day three of the Elite 11, the final day, this this accuracy drill is really what allowed him to kind of showcase where he's at. I mean, you're you're dropping back, you're having to hit this target, and then you're having to go on run to the next target and, and hit it as, you know as quickly as you can. I think you get four minutes max to throw, lowest amount of time wins. There are eight targets, and if you hit the edge of the target, you take two seconds off your time. Now there's still a couple quarterbacks left to go, but for the most part, the quarterbacks have been getting mid to low three minute times. There were now, I think, two or three quarterbacks who have had two to three-minute times. Brock Vandegrift goes out there. He's got a minute and 43 seconds on his on his official time right now. You know, he's completely smoked the field at this point, had an outstanding throwing session. And then this in that type of setting where three or four ro- rollouts in, you're getting winded. I've watched a lot of these quarterbacks going through this session, and and they're getting really tired having to do the the third or fourth drop back and rollout throw. 
and, and he went through there and hit those targets quickly and accurately and basically just put on a clinic on how to do that drill. And that's what he brings to the table. He brings a guy who's extremely athletic and, and strong and uh, he's a workout guy, but he's also a guy who is very accurate and very accurate again, uh, outside of the pocket when he needs to be. And, and that's what he brings to the table. And that's what makes him kind of a unique prospect and one of the best quarterbacks in the class. I think basically today was a, a day where Brock showed, Hey, I am still one of the top three, top five quarterbacks in this class. And once again, Georgia's recruited and, and are set to sign one of the most talented passers, you know, in this cycle. So I think it's, again, it's, it's it's a credit to Kirby Smart and his staff that, that they locked in on him and, and got a guy that keeps that quarterback room talented, regardless of whether they have to go back to the transfer portal down the road. I think they have a guy who's going to come in and, and push for playing time. You know, may, may, whether it's 2021 or 2022 remains to be seen. If JT Daniels is, is there and, and pushing for that starting position, it's going to be an outstanding competition. But I think Brock's kind of uh, went ahead and said, hey, don't forget about me, guys. You know, and you guys have talked to enough assistant coaches uh, before, and you run into these assistant coaches out and about uh, during the spring evaluation period, which we didn't have this past year because of COVID-19. But these guys, they'll ask you sometimes, hey, what does so-and-so think about this kid? Have you talked to so-and-so? What do they think about this kid? And I, I kind of use that philosophy on, on Brock Vandegrift. Lincoln Riley wanted him, and to me that says a lot because that's the guy that's had that had – two straight number one picks, you know, uh, two straight Heisman winners as a head coach. I mean, he he knows quarterbacks. He can, he can get them. He can develop them. He can evaluate them. They don't necessarily have to be prototypical pro-style quarterbacks to go number one either because he had a couple of pretty small guys, relatively small guys, uh, in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray do that. And then obviously got, you know, uh, Jay, uh, Jalen Hurts into the second round this past year. And, and that was huge too. So, I mean, he, he wanted Brock Vandegrift. Brock Vandegrift was committed to Oklahoma. And, and that to me says a lot uh, about kind of the evaluation. And that's just kind of a, I don't know, it just kind of lends credibility to how good of a player he is when you've got somebody that has that kind of track record that, that believed in him and wanted him. Uh, I also think, guys, and, and this is something I want to get into here real quick, it, Georgia is kind of like that salesman who is sitting there and, and he's got a plan, right? He's got a plan. He's like, all right, if I hit this quarterly bonus, I can buy a boat. And if I can hit this quarterly bonus, we can buy a vacation house. And that's kind of what Georgia's dealing with at quarterback right now because if everything works to plan, then you've got JT Daniels or Jamie Newman as the starter this year. Then you've got JT Daniels as the starter next year, depending on how everything works out with the waiver. And we don't know. Obviously, you'd like to see, you know, if, if you're a Georgia fan because Jamie Newman came in and took the chance on going to Georgia when he did, you'd like to see him be the starter and do big things this year. JT Daniels take over next year, have a big season, go pro. And then Brock Vendergriff takes over for two years. They've got a plan at the quarterback position. They've got a way that this thing can really be secure for the next four years. And not only do they have that plan, but if they play their cards right, then they can have maybe maybe Carson Beck and Juan Mathis for that time, or at least one of those guys in the fold to help compete for that job and to kind of maybe wait their turn or, or, or kind of be in line to, to, to take their shot at winning the starting job. And to me, the way things are working out for the next four or five years for Georgia quarterback, I mean, it's got the potential to be pretty special, don't you think? 
Yeah, Jake, I mean, that's a good point. You start talking about those guys in depth. I told somebody last week the the the, the transfer rule that potentially and looks like it's going to take place next January, if you take the quarterback position and what schools have done, you look at Georgia with Jamie Newman, now JT Daniel, you look at Justin Fields at Ohio State, um, you know, you look at some of these schools that have done all these things with transfers. Um, even Arkansas is pulling in Felipe Franks this year, Jacob Eason to Washington. How this trend, how you manage not only the quarterback position, but how you're going to manage your roster, I think is the most important thing going forward now because it, nobody knows how it's going to play out. But you look specifically, you go into that quarterback room at Georgia, and I'm not trying to put words in people's mouth or scare anybody and you know you're going to get you're going to get one and then the rest of them are going to go so you know how you get whatever happens in this play out between JT Daniels and um whatever happens between JT Daniels and Jamie Newman um you know, that's that's going to be determined you know if and when but to me you know we look forward in our job especially me and Kip and I see Brock Vandergriff and then I go look at the 2020 class and I think or 2022 class, I'm like, who, who's coming to Georgia? Somebody's going to come to Georgia. They're going to get somebody. But, you know, is Gunnar Stockton, is MJ Morris, they going to want to uh, follow, you know, Brock Vandergriff and battle for that job? I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying they won't try or afraid of it. I'm just saying let's be realistic. Uh, that's going to play into a big, you know, who, who actually comes in the 2022 class for Georgia. So when you look at on paper, the quarterback room at Georgia right now, man, they're set up. But it can change in a heartbeat, Jake. I mean, it can change quickly. Uh, we, we we all know that, you know, watching Georgia last year, they were one play away from, you know, not having any, you know, very serious depth there with, with the guys leaving. So, uh, yeah, on paper, I think Georgia looks good. But I also think the transfer, the way quarterbacks are transferring, uh, you know, these schools are going to continue to hit the transfer portal. Um, I, I just think it's going to it's going to be a – a big part of the future, and that's the way things are going to play out. You mean, you know, you look at the Tua situation with Hurts, and, and and obviously those are two really good players, but you're just not going to keep them anymore. It's just not going to happen. And, um, you know, if the transfer rule was in place, Jalen Hurts wanted to stay another year at Alabama. They don't have him in that SEC championship game. He was not staying at Alabama once Tua got the job. He had a year left, so it was natural for him to graduate. But had that transfer rule been in effect, you just don't keep two like that. It just it, it, it ain't happening. I think it's going to make them harder to keep sure, and maybe easier to get sure. because then all of a sudden they know, oh man, if I come in, don't win this job, then I can, I can jet, I can go, then I can have my pick of the litter. I, the, these quarterbacks can kind of go somewhere and incubate basically and just be like, oh, okay, well there's a good spot right there. I can go to Penn state or I can go to, I can go to uh, Texas tech or I can go to, you know, Mississippi state or somewhere like that. And I can start right away. Whereas now you've got these guys like you were talking about, you know, Jalen Hurts. He, he kind of had to wait. He didn't know if he was going to get a. He didn't know if he was going to get a uh, a waiver. Then all of a sudden they're not going to have to worry about it anymore. They may try to go say, "Hey, this is my dream school. I'm going to take a shot at it. I'm going to give it a good a good swing. I may even give it two years. But then if that doesn't work out, then I got to transfer out, and I know that I'm not going to lose a year in the process. So it may make it e- easier to get them, harder to keep them. Uh, Kip, what do you think about kind of the future and, and my, you know, harebrained little theory there of maybe easier to get, harder to keep? Yeah, I think once you get into a, a college program, you kind of start to feel the the lay of the land a little bit. You know, 
after spring football who the coordinators kind of leaning towards. And obviously this year, everything's different. It's going to be different in fall camp as well. And you're going to see quarterbacks realizing they're not the guy much later than, than normal. I think we would have had a lot more quarterbacks transferring over the last couple of months had we had spring football, and which usually kind of gives you a, a good idea of maybe who the number one might be or, or you know who the top two guys are going to be. And I think that's just the way it's going to be at the quarterback position. Once you know that you're not number one guy or maybe you're the number two guy, but you know, the guy's got a long leash at number one. He's going to be the quarterback for maybe more than one year. And then you start preparing for that, for that next step. That's just what quarterbacks are going to do. And I think at Georgia, when you recruit guy as as talented as they do after your starter, you know, the rest of the guys are, are going to continue to evaluate their options and Georgia is going to do the same. That's why they prepared for this and attack that transfer portal this spring as, as well as anyone could. I think maybe two years from now or, you know, after if Brock's able to win that job, you know, after after Brock, Georgia might be be doing it again just to make sure they have a guy with experience as as the backup quarterback and potentially the eventual starter. So I think it's just going to be a continuation of this. You get a guy that you think can be your starter and then you, you try to give yourself an opportunity to have a guy, you know, comparably talented behind him. So you have multiple options now. You have basically two sets of, uh, you know, quarterbacks to kind of work from here between the high school ranks and, and the transfer portal ranks. And I, I do want to point out that now, uh, as we're recording this show, that they, they finished the the final uh, target challenge and Brock Vandegriff finished number one in that. And he finished number one by 27 seconds, which is just really remarkable watching this drill. A lot of these guys just getting gas toward the, the end of the drill. I think it also just plays up not only to his strengths throwing outside the pocket, but also I think just his stamina. The I mean, the guy, again, loves hitting the gym. Uh, he's one of the stronger guys overall, I would say, in this quarterback class. And I think this really played up to his ability, and it was just really uh, impressive to, to see him coming off that knee injury just blow through this, this accuracy challenge today at the Elite 11 and and kind of put a, a very positive stamp on his performance overall at this three-day event. All right, guys, it's break time. Let's jump into one real quick. And then on the other side, we got to talk about George's board after uh, missing on a couple of targets. All right, two things need to be said here. All right, one, Kirby Smart has given Georgia fans zero doubt, zero reason, sorry, to doubt that he can recruit, that he can recruit at an extremely high level, that he's going to manage the roster, and that he's going to manage the roster position by position in a very detail-oriented fashion. Two, missing on Tony Grimes and missing on, on Dallas Turner, they're significant losses because coming into this class, based on what George is going to lose after the 2020 season, or very at the very least has the potential to lose at the end of the 2020 season, uh, they needed to restock at those positions. Georgia signed two really good cornerbacks last class and Keely Ringo and, and Jalen Kimber. They signed one outside linebacker and, uh, and uh, MJ Sherman. Uh, so it's, it's not like they, they just stocked up and these are kind of luxuries. They needed to hit on these positions in this class. 
uh, not necessarily for right now immediately, but for you know 2022, 2021 maybe for sure. Uh, Rusty, going to go to you first here, man. Let's start with Tony Grimes and the miss there. Where does Georgia go now? Yeah, you know that's the that's the what people don't they really don't care. You know, they just like listen. That's that's here nor there. When you finish second for a guy, and I, I do think Georgia was at least in that at least in that top two. And I think at one point they were in really good shape there, um, to, to, in my opinion. And uh, you know. You look at their 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 uh, defensive backs and what they've got uh, as far as uh, still on the board. And, and me and Kip talked a little bit about this earlier today. I, I think one thing too is, yeah, you look at Keely Ringo, but they also got Jalen Kimber last year, and they also got Major Burns late. So they got some guys that can play that position. But you you know you still need to keep that depth. You still need to keep those those players in there when you start with that the the remaining you know what we think is defensive back room it's definitely got to be a guy like nylon green it's just look this guy's 40 minutes from your campus 30 or 40 minutes from your campus checks every box you know length uh the ability to cover when you lose a guy like jordan hancock who georgia recruited hard but you look at nylon green who's a little bit bigger than him he's a 6'2 you know 185 pound kid a uh, very polished young man on off the field. Mother's a lawyer, just impressive, impressive kid. Then you look at a guy like Dejon uh, Warren. I think that's how you pronounce it. The junior college corner um, at Lackawanna Community College. Uh, you, you know, we've seen DJ Daniel come in with his length and play immediately. And some people didn't know that he was going to do it. Another guy we talk about. And me and Kip talked about this a little bit before we came on. Uh, Kamari Lassiter is a kid out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. As we're recording this, he tweeted, you know, hey, stay tuned today at 5 p.m. Uh, you know, I think he's going to narrow this list down some. But I definitely know that Georgia is recruiting him. And here's a, here he is, another six-foot, you know, 185-pound kid. Uh, you know, and, and you look at him and, and the size and those types of things. And, you know, Georgia wants length, and they, and they want it in every class. And that's what Kirby Smart has done is change that defense. So there's still some guys left, what I'm getting at. Uh, but Tony Grimes, not going, we we never sugarcoat. That was a that was a big hit. They had, they were invested in that kid, recruited him for a long time, had him on campus a couple of times, and uh, you know I, a couple of people text me like, how can you know how can we lose a guy to North Carolina? Well, North Carolina is a team on the uprise, and you you got blinders on if you don't think so. And they got Dre Bly, who is a great recruiter, who was a high NFL draft pick. You know he's got a lot to sell there, so. Uh, you know, it was a big battle. It's a lot closer to home, uh, to Chapel Hill from where he lives in Virginia. So it is what it is. And it's, it wasn't a, you know, you lose Grimes and Jordan Hancock. So Nylon Green becomes even more of a must get. Uh, but there's still some guys left out there that are really good players. And, and Georgia's still involved with those guys. Kip, uh, in your view, kind of what, which, which one of those guys that Rusty mentioned, or is there somebody else that you may want to point out? That, that Georgia needs and, and can very much get to kind of uh, fill that uh, cornerback need in this class? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that Georgia is looking to sign probably two guys who could play cornerback. You know, maybe one of those guys also could be a guy that can fill in at star, knowing that, you know, a guy like Mark Webb, uh, guys they're going to have to replace at that position. I, I think when you look at DeJon Warren, uh, the athleticism stands out. And 
really he does look like a guy that could also help on special teams as well. I, I think being the nation's number one junior college cornerback, if George is going to go after a guy like that, then just like DJ Daniel, they're hoping this guy is in the two deep and is a guy that can potentially start for them. And I think he does have that potential. And you look at his recruitment, I think, you know, Georgia and Penn State, from what me and Rusty have, have heard and, and checked on him, those are the two programs that right now are kind of, I guess I would say, you know, the teams to beat at the moment in his recruitment. But, you know, he's looking to make his decision December right now. And when and if official visits can take place, if they're taking place this fall, Georgia does have that final official visit with him December 11th. So it'd be right before his decision time. It puts him in good position there if official visits take place to really be a factor in his recruitment. And you look at Nylon Green, again, a guy that I think you look at his size, it fits what Georgia looks for in the secondary. A guy that could play really anywhere in the in the secondary, whether it's star, whether it's cornerback. I, I think if Georgia really pushes there, it, it's going to be tough for, for them to beat out for him. I think a month ago, we... we a lot of us thought Clemson was a school to beat in his recruitment. I, I honestly think right now uh, the the team to watch might be Auburn, a team that you know Georgia's had plenty of, of recruiting battles with in the past in the state of Georgia. I think that that could be where things are right now. I know Clemson's definitely still in there. He might be the only cornerback left on their board right now. But I think right now Auburn's definitely a team to watch in his recruitment. There are definitely other other guys that, that Georgia is is keeping on the board and, and continuing to recruit because it's July and these decisions really don't have to ultimately be made on who exactly fills out this cornerback class. But a, a guy that I like is uh, Demarius McGee at a Pensacola Catholic in, in Florida. He's a guy that's six one, one hundred and seventy pounds. He's a guy that has mentioned Georgia in his top group along with Ole Miss, Tennessee as well. Alabama recently jumped into the mix with him too, but I think those are the teams that have been recruiting him and making him feel like a priority. I think, I mean, I love his tape. He's a guy that, as far as coverage ability goes, is 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 special. I think his athleticism and his ability to cover are what makes him a guy that is looking heavily at the SEC, and SEC programs are really looking heavily at him. As far as you know, his physicality, that's something that is still a work in progress, I think. But I think he's a guy that 24-7 sports is definitely high on. We have him as a top 10 cornerback and inside the nation's top 100 prospects. So I think it's a guy that, again, to keep an eye on moving forward. I think Georgia will remain in the mix there, and they'll just continue to evaluate these guys and, and, and really just look at the secondary in general because – Maybe they sign one more safety, and maybe they sign two more guys that play cornerback. And I think, you know, only one guy on board right now, and and, and David Daniel out of Woodstock, the four-star, three guys still potentially, you know, in the mix to be on board for this for this class. And man, I really love Terry and Arnold as far as just an overall defensive back. I think he's a guy that could really, really come in and and kind of make an impact. Whether it's safety, whether it's uh, at nickel, whether it's star, he could play anywhere in the secondary. And it's a guy that is highly coveted by Georgia as well as Florida out of John Paul Catholic. And it, really, if you're, you're looking for a guy that 
would be at the top of the board for me in the, in the secondary, regardless of the position, it would definitely be Terry Arnold. He's got some of the best film out there. Uh, I think he might be the best pure safety in this class uh, out of uh, John Paul Catholic in Tallahassee. And, and that's a guy that if Georgia could, could beat up four to four would be a huge win for Kirby Smart and his staff. All right, let's look at outside linebacker. Georgia has a couple of guys that kind of project that position. Elijah Judy, uh, Judy out of uh, Philadelphia, and then they got Chaz Chambliss uh, here recently out of Carrollton, uh, and and he's a big time player too. Uh, what is next after missing on a guy like Dallas Turner? Because Dallas Turner had kind of risen to that maybe elite status as as a pass rusher, and now Georgia. You know, they, they definitely want to restock at that position. It's pretty clear they were going to take Turner, so they definitely want a third outside linebacker in this class. They're going to lose three at the end of this season if Aziz Ojolari goes pro. Where, where do they turn to next, Rusty? Who's kind of on the board there? Well, you know, you mentioned the two guys that got committed, and I'm not sure they, they're going to take a third outside linebacker. I think they recruited Dallas Turner because he was just so good. Um, you look at a guy like Xavier Sori, who's a kid that can play either position. Um, you know, Mikhail Sherman's a kid that could slide either position, too. So there's some flexibility there. I'm not completely 100% they're going to take another outside linebacker. They could. Uh, I'll give you a sleeper name that – um, coach texted me this morning and said, uh, you know, he was checking on his ranking and stuff like that and said, hey, look, Georgia's been talking to us about him for probably about a month, month and a half. Um, and that's a kid, that's a kid, uh, Thomas Davis, who is down in Atlanta, uh, at Lowndes, that, that uh, is an outside linebacker, 6'3, you know, 225 pound kid that is, uh, you know, another one of those tough South Georgia kids that are producing right now. And, you know he's a he's a he's a shorter guy. You know he's six two and a half, uh, two twenty four. I think. Uh, you know, you, you look at him, and I think he was committed. Uh, kept maybe wrong. He was he was committed to uh, Mississippi State for a while. They got on him good. You know Miami seems to be the team that is trending the most with him right now, but. You know, he's a kid that probably, look, if we had these summer camps and spring camps and all those, it would have picked up on him. But Georgia hasn't offered him, but that's a name that, that, that was new to me today. They definitely have been recruiting him. And uh, so that we'll see if they pick it up on him or not uh, as far as an offer. But uh, Thomas Davis is a guy, uh, it'd be easy to remember that name, but Thomas Davis out of Lowndes in South Georgia is a, is a name that probably – uh, we'll see if Georgia picks up the steam on him a little bit um, as they go forward. But again, you know, I'm not sure they take a third. You know, they got two right now, so you also got to look at the depth in the 2022 class. And uh, maybe in the next podcast we touch on 2022 because I'm telling you, 2022 in Georgia is stacked at the right positions. I mean, quarterback, defensive lineman, defensive backs, linebackers. That class is really, really flexing its muscle right now. Um, and and Georgia's there's going to be some key positions they're going to have to recruit well in that 2022 class as well. You know, and, and one thing I want to point out here is, hey, I get it. Everybody wants the five-star. Everybody wants the elite pass rusher the, the, for, that, for that outside linebacker position. I mean, Georgia signed the number one player in the country in the 2019 class, Nolan Smith. The, the class before that, Adam Anderson, was a five-star prospect and an elite guy. Uh, and they also got Brenton Cox in that class who ended up transferring out. 
neither one of those guys is the alpha male in that outside linebacker room. It's a guy who ranked number 144 overall and is the number 10 weak side defensive end. He's number 18 player in Georgia, and that's Aziz Ojolari. So it's not like, you know, listen, I know the recruiting rankings matter. I'm not trying to make this point. I'm just saying that you go out there and you get the players you like, you get the players you really like, and, and, and you know, Chaz Chambliss and, and, uh, and, and Elijah Judy are both, you know, four-star prospects, highly thought of by the industry. They could be the guy. You just don't know. They could be the next elite guy. They could be the guy that plays an elite level for you. It doesn't necessarily have to be a top 20 or top 50 prospect. And, and uh, you know, they went after those guys and took commitments from them early because they really liked them. Otherwise, they would have kind of kept them warm or, or maybe strung them along a little bit or, or, you know, kind of waited for better options to come along. But they didn't. They went ahead and took them. Uh, Kip, is, uh, is there anybody that you would say keep an eye on as far as the outside linebacker position goes? Well, first, I want to add as far as Thomas Davis, I know Florida State just offered him a couple of days ago, and we all know that, you know, Florida State has traditionally done fairly well in the Valdosta area. So that, that is definitely something to keep an eye on. I think he's, he's planning on committing on August 24th, and right now Miami is the crystal ball favorite. I, I, I remember him being on that, that Lowndes team. They went 14-1. They played for the uh, – the 7A state championship, he had 11 and a half sacks. So he's a guy that obviously comes off the edge uh, w- w- with authority. I, I really want to also just kind of point out that there's a very, very talented Georgia target that could still project it outside the linebacker down the road, and that's that's Xavier Sori from Graceville, Florida. I believe he's uh, recently transferred to IMG Academy. He's a guy that you know has five-star talent. Very, very athletic and, and you know, kind of reminds me of Quay Walker a couple of years ago just because of that frame. I mean, when you're 6'3", 218 pounds, you have that ability to play multiple positions in Georgia's defense. Now, most definitely he could play inside, but I do think that you, you could, you know, have multiple packages where he's also playing outside as well. And he's definitely a guy that Georgia is very, very high on. He's been a priority throughout the cycle. And if they're able to land him, I mean, he could he could play throughout the the linebacking core for Georgia down the road. So that's just a guy just to kind of, you know, remind you that his athleticism and his frame gives him an opportunity to, to really give a number of roles to Georgia in their defense and a guy that really, really, really high on their board. All right, that's uh, that's kind of our rundown of, of where Georgia is now after uh, missing out on a couple of uh, top targets. Let's get to the real important stuff before we end the show here, Rusty. What you got going on coming up later in the week and this weekend? What what we got on the grill? We're going to play any golf? What's going on? Oh, man, been playing a little bit of golf. Um, and and scary, played the back nine the other day and, like, was very confident in my driver, hit all the fairways. It's like, what? I'm going to just stop right now. So, uh, going to the lake and on a group text with a bunch of guys. And, you know, surprisingly, they told me I'm in charge of brisket. So, I've been doing this four or five years with some some, some buddies of mine from the Rome area. We go down to a lake, Lake Wise in Alabama. And um, we just, man, we're probably between, we'll probably buy $2,000 worth of fireworks. No kidding. I mean, it's like a group of guys that put in a couple hundred and, and I'm telling you now, it'll take us an hour and a half to shoot those things off. Now, I stand back because 
one, two, three years in a row, they've blown a hole in the dock with, with what they're shooting off. And this is, this isn't M eighties they're shooting. So it's just some real stuff, but kids love it. Have a great day at the lake. looks like the weather's going to hold for us and kind of sucks, man, because it's one of those deals where you always get through the fourth and then your mind turns immediately to sec media days and football. You know, like this is the, you get past the fourth, it's that time to click. And for me, it was high school football. You know, I was looking forward to hitting the road, you know, the sixth and seeing kids and all that. But, man, it just – man, I don't, want, I don't want to end this on a bad note. Hope and pray that things continue to – that we have a season. But for this weekend, it'll be all about, uh, you know, family and fireworks and hopefully no holes in the dock. Well, sometimes we can't even get through the fourth without football because – I think there are two, like two out of three years, or maybe back to back years. You know, Sony Michelle uh, breaks his forearm, open fracture that Uh-oh, breaks man. on July fourth. I think that may have happened on July fourth, and then Jake Fromm breaks his hand a year later, and it that he actually did that earlier in the week, and then it came out later on. So, uh, you know, J- July fourth can be a can be a little bit of a crazy day. I'm definitely going to be playing some golf on Saturday. I, I actually told our board I. I went on Father's Day, shot a 91 with five triple bogeys and four birdies, just the most up and down round you've ever seen. And then uh, I roll out there last Saturday and shoot a 76 and light it up like I've just been playing golf all my life. So um, I'm, I'm interested to, to get back out there again this week, try out my new toy. I got a range finder for finally. Uh, I, went, I went up without one for a long time because they're just so Oh, dial it in. Big yeah, I, I went without one for so long because they're expensive as all get out. And then I found this company. Blue Tees uh, is the name of the company, and I tried out. Um, their their rangefinders are cheaper than everybody's; like they're under two hundred bucks. And I tried out; and it's perfect. I mean, it to me it works better than the uh, it works better than uh, the um, Bushnell that I had before that I I got as a gift that cost almost three hundred fifty dollars. So uh, huge deal there for me, and I've really enjoyed it. It's it's been perfect. I mean, I I I've got no problems with it. It's it's awesome, and uh, it, it's helped my game a little bit for sure. It's definitely uh, you know, caused me to, you know, hit two fewer balls short and fewer balls long. That's, that's absolutely positive. And I'm sure for a better golfer, it helped them out a lot more. Uh, got a Boston, got a Boston butt on the smoker right now. going to try to cook a brisket at some point uh, here in the, toward the end of the week. I got a big hole packer in the fridge for about a 15 pounder. So I'm excited to get to work on that. I just don't know who's going to help me eat it. But, uh, Kip, what you got going on? Dude, Kroger had those Boston butts for $0.99 cent a pound. I loaded up. It's awesome. I always do it. I, <laughs> I, I get one every time they've got them on sale like that. I went through there, got them all, and then and then grabbed about four rain checks on them, too, after I bought them all. So I've loaded up on that. Uh, there's no room in the in, in the the freezer right now, but I'm going to I'm gonna go through all those, uh, throw down on some uh, some mac and cheese and some, and some baked beans and, and just uh, sit on the – the back deck and, and and watch watch whatever fireworks have to be uh going down. I I I have a good spot in Atlanta to where I can actually see East Atlanta and then also uh, like three other sections of fireworks. I remember last year where we're going off at the same time in different parts of Atlanta. So uh, that that's my plan. We'll see how the weather holds, but uh no, I'm ready to the to dust off that Kamado Joe after after all the rain and and get some stuff smoked for the weekend. Man, I tell you what, I know one thing you're going to be doing too is is you're going to be uh, killing some hops. You're going to be putting into some hops and some uh, some uh, carbonated drinks for sure. I definitely will be. 
I know that for a fact. I'm sure Rusty will be. But uh, as far as this episode, folks, that's all the time we've got. Uh, we, uh, we'll be back with you next week. Hope everybody has a safe. Nobody lose an eyebrow or, or an eye or, or arm hair or whatever. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've shot off fireworks and smelled burning hair. And that just lets me know how close I was to disaster. But everybody, please be safe. And uh, from this and from from the pandemic and all of that stuff. And uh, we'll be back with you next week to talk about whatever else is going on, because you just never know in, in the world of sports and especially Georgia football. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. And you guys take it easy.